What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about all things horror, movies, music, pop culture, and in this case, really awesome television shows. Uh, we are exclusively going to guests only on our podcast, which we are so excited about. It's been a great run thus this far, and we are very excited to have our guest, um, uh, Mr. Al Omega. Um, uh, if you wouldn't be so kind to introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about. No, thank you for having me, of course. And I'm Al Omega, the Alpha Omega of all things science fiction and horror. And I've, I've had this little show I've been doing for 14 years now. In fact, next year will be my 15th year. And what you out there in Chicago may not know is that uh, out in the Bay Area, we had a TV show called Creature Features with Bob Wilkins running it. And in 2008, uh, his old director, Tom Worsh, as an associate of mine and I to uh, come in and bring the show back so that he, we could uh, raise awareness for his new movie, uh, Keep America Strong, which was a retrospective of Bob Wilkins' life. And, and we've been do I've been doing it ever since. And actually, next year will be our we'll, we will have been on longer, I think, than Bob Wilkins and John Stanley, his successor, were, were on Channel 2. So good time that is awesome that is awesome you're doing the good work of the horror community which we appreciate the um uh, and obviously you know to our chicago audience is going to obviously recognize and you know and talk about sven Gulli. um uh, you know you run a show that is similar but different um uh, you know you have your own you have your own you know twist and style on it but the the format is is relative you know is somewhat similar you know with you discussing the horror and then and then obviously showing the the, the horror movies after the fact uh, which is which is very very cool. It's a it's a fun you know it's a fun show. It's a fun experience. So you know I, I obviously you went into a little bit of history about the creation of the show, um, but one of the questions I always ask, and it's one of my absolute favorites to ask, which is when did horror touch your life? When did this crazy oh. fandom of of horror touch? Because this is all what we're all about. It's all about you know horror on this podcast, talking about our experiences and how we grew up with it, and then we eventually talk about how that wonderful obsession translated into a, you know, a career, um, into a, a passion. And everybody has a lot of different passions about how they, um, show their fandom of horror. But where did this uh, crazy horror journey for you begin? Well, uh, as for me, I guess, um, you know, like many people in the San Francisco Bay area, I grew up watching Bob Wilkins, uh, and, uh, you know, Saturday nights and Friday nights were very special watching these old movies. Uh, and some of them I didn't always understand uh, why they were frightening. I just uh, I showed White Zombie with Bella Lugosi. Of course. Uh, on, uh, yeah, uh, uh, last year. And I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And there was so much more to pick up from that. And I was so happy that I got to do that movie uh, and, and breathe so much more information into this uh, movie that wasn't that much for me when I was a little kid. But as a very young person uh, – my family would read me bedtime stories, and unfortunately, Mrs. Pickle Wiggle and Uncle Wiggly got really boring fast. So my <laughs> mother would read me um, Rat Bradbury, and oh, wow. I had, an, and my aunt would read Lovecraft, Ooh. and grandmother <laughs> they would help. read uh, the children's Hitchcock books. Nice. So nice. There was actually a, a series of hardbound uh, uh, Hitchcock stories for little for children. I love and that. That's what I was brought up with. Oh, I love it. The um, uh, so you were you were in the the literature portion. So it's sort of very early for you. The um, you know what do you, what are some of your you know your memories of of reacting to those things? Because I mean, H.P. Lovecraft is is not like easily digestible horror by any means. Um, it's it's very cerebral. It's very you know. Um, mine, big words. yeah, big, 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 big words. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I was, you know, public education system they, for me. Um, a <laughs> lot of, a lot of, lot of reviewing the thesaurus. Um, uh, so very thought provoking type of horror. It's, it's certainly not, you know, what our generation grew up with. You know, we started with Goosebumps and Are You Friend of the Dark, which aren't exactly, you know, the, the, the highlights of, of modern literature by any means. It's, you know, it's children Canadian television. But, you know, so I'm very curious about, you know, what your, you know, do you remember what your reaction was as a kid? Were you excited, delighted, horrified, inspired, D all the above? Uh, well, Lovecraft, you know, I just showed a Lovecraft movie and we talked about 
You can't make a good Lovecraft movie because you cannot put on film that which is unnameable and incomprehensible. Uh, uh, incomprehensible. So for me, uh, the, as, as a small child, the a lot of the Lovecraft was scary. You knew it was supposed to be scary, but you really didn't quite get that unnameable dread. And that's actually something that helps with Lovecraft because every time you go back and you look at it, you're seeing a little bit more. You're, you're a little older. You're a little more understanding of how things work. And you really start to appreciate this dread that is coming up. Because for those people that don't read Lovecraft, most of his stories start out with, your friend has sent you a letter that says, if I died, it's this. Oh, yeah, by the way, your friend is dead. And uh, because you got the letter, you're going to die now, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, That's and- too late. Everyone's going to die. And, and that's where we begin. Uh, we start yeah. the story there. The um, uh, then then, it, then you know the, we start at eight, and then we go to we go to twenty. We turn it up to twenty. Um, up and, to eleven, man. Yeah, 11. Oh, you, you, they speakers go to eleven. Um, yes. uh, why don't you just make the the uh, you know the top one ten, and then like and just leave it there. But but these speakers but these speakers go to eleven. The um, yeah. <laughs> gotta love that movie. You know, and actually, funny enough, that that's um something that my um, I was very inspired. I had a rough time in high school, but I had a great teacher in junior year of high school who was an English teacher, Mr. Kane. I will remember him forever. And and he was such a profound um, expert of literature. And I remember something he said, and it's so sim- it's simple advice, it's simple wisdom, but it makes so much sense, which is, which is he's like, Mark, always read a book twice. Um, uh, he's like, because the book doesn't change, but you do. The yes. um and I actually had that with a non horror book with the Red Badge of Courage. Um, I've read that book three times, but I've read it over the span of five different years. And I, you know, and I remember looking at it different ways. You know, when I was younger, it was a, you know, it was a patriot rah rah kind of book, and and I was all inspired. And then, and then, and then I read it a second time, and then it became Born on Fourth of July, where I was very bitter about the whole book. And then now it's much more nuanced. I can see both sides of it, and it's interesting how. Um, you know, that does it does for literature, but it also does that for film as well. You know, when you're when you were growing up, you know, obviously literature was first. But, you know, what were some of the films and television shows of horror that kind of creep into creeped into your life? Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I had this slurry of bad movies that sort of came in um, and I'm really a child of the early 70s. So a lot of the. Uh, the early seventies gave us some really good scary stuff. I, I'm literally wearing a Last House yeah. on the Left shirt right now. They um, uh, so there's that. <laughs> uh, so actually, the the one that I, I remember the most uh, as as really being shocking was actually a sci-fi movie, um, Planet of the Apes, because it was the first movie where the bad guys won. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, if you look at Lovecraft's Mountains of Madness, which I think is one of the few. Uh, books they could actually make a, a good movie out of. Um, and, you know, these, these people are in the mountains of madness and they, uh, the monsters killed a bunch of people and they're following him in underground tunnels and, and uh, eventually they can't follow him anymore and they fly out of the area and leave. And whatever it is pops up over the clouds. And when you're reading it the first time, you think, oh, it's chasing them and, uh, oh, they escape. But that's, it's not really it. It's sad because the monster is intelligent and it realizes that it's several million years away from everyone and everything it's ever known and there's no way home. Mm. Uh, and that's really very sad. It's the same sort of thing you got at the end of the Planet of the Apes as our hero comes to the realization that there's no going home. He's far, far too far away. And so that really struck me as a kid because it was unfair. And I was a, I was kind of a rah-rah kid. I was a kid that uh, you were supposed to play fair and be honest and uh, life was going to work for you. And, uh, well, it doesn't always work that way. And I got, I have, still find that out every day as an adult. Yeah, the, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of, of, a, of a film that, that did that for me. You know, like I, I think the only one that comes to mind and it always comes to mind is Sicario. Um, uh, if you've not seen it, I highly recommend it. It's about the, the it's about the Mexican drug cartel, and and I just remember leaving that that movie after watching it and feeling just dirty and just the the entire grime of the world, you know, um, uh, you know, being on me and being extremely unfair. And it's very it's very interesting that like that uh, that um, 
entertainments and, you know, pieces of art can really give that kind of emotional gravitas to an individual, you know, where, where, where things don't, don't, you know, don't always, it's a life lesson, you know, things don't always work out. It's very interesting that you got that life lesson very, very early on that, you know, um, uh, you know, that, that, that sometimes life doesn't always work out. Um, it must've been a trip though, seeing, you know, seeing Planet of the Apes, you know, um, back then, did you see it in the theater or did you see it in, um, uh, in, in oh, I saw it in the theater. I, uh, I went yeah. to go ape. If you, if you know what that is. Would to go? No, I don't know what that is. Educate us. Oh well, that's when the uh, the theaters got together and they put all the uh, Planet Eighth movies together and into one big at afternoon matinee, and you would go and they give out bananas. <laughs> and, and, uh, that's awesome. That was a great way. You know, the 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 afternoon matinee where there'd be two movies was a great way to get rid of your kids for a couple of hours, and. Uh, and this was your like five or six hour episode, of, you know, to get rid of your kids. Uh, and it was a great thing to go see. And of course, all your friends would be there. And it was lots of fun. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. The um, it's it, you know, it's it's kind of funny, you know, how, you know, that I think that was the same thing with um, uh, with uh, with my dad for Jaws when he was growing up and seeing seeing Jaws in the theater and just being completely blown away. And, you know, and, and you couldn't even believe that that was being done or my grandmother seeing The Exorcist um, and, and just walking out, just going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> they, um... oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's always weird when I, I had this darling grandmother. Uh, she was she was the ancient grandmother. And um, she was raised very, very properly. Uh, she was uh, Victorian. Uh, and and you did not say things like pregnant. Uh, you know, you were uh, you know with child or or something like that. But there are just words that you did not use around her. And she desperately tried to be in touch with us, and she she really wanted to uh, reach out to my brother and I and, and have that connection. And so she decided to take us to a movie. Uh, as as young people, uh, I'm. I'm in my early teens, I guess, at this point. And uh, the newest sci-fi movie was out, so she took us to it. Uh, it was so popular, we had to sit in separate places. So she's in the way back, I'm in the front row. Unfortunately, she's taken us to David Bowie's The Man Who Fell to Earth, which has a lot of nudity in it and a lot of very bizarre <laughs> scenes. You can hear her gasping all the way in the back row. And... But she, she was so trying so hard. On the way home, she's like, what interesting photography they had in that. <laughs> just, what's, what's going on over there? Look at over there. What's she, going wants, on? she wants to say something nice about it, <laughs> but it's a weird movie by anybody's standards. And certainly not the movie a grandmother should have taken a couple of her grandkids to. But she was trying so hard. What other, you know, uh, um, what other things were inspiring you as you were growing up and um, and uh, see, because you had to see a lot of really amazing horror movies. I can already tell that there were, you know, you watch, you came through, you know, the Renaissance of the '80s, and I'm sure you saw quite a few things. Yeah, in the '80s, I was one of the first ones of my friends had a VCR. So those trips down to Blockbuster, or, or and you know, people don't realize that is that uh, any any place that could do it would start carrying videos, and of course. The most common videos that they would carry would be a little porn and some really gross horror. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and it would, a lot of it would be the really off, off stuff. And you could get some of the best movies that way. I remember watching Evil Dead when it first came out. Oh, love it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, we, we talk about, you know, movies that, you know, change the world. Things like, uh, again, in a sort of Lovecraftian way, it's a sci-fi story, but... Uh, it's also uh, a very Lovecraftian story, Soylent Green. Heard of it, never got to see it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, they, they made a bunch of these uh, movies about the world gone mad uh, biology, and Soylent Green is one of them. Uh, and uh, the tagline for the, the movie kind of uh, spoils it, but you know the plot is that the... Uh, Earth has been in trouble for a long time, and you have multi-generational people living in their cars. People don't realize that. You see people living in their cars, and the tires are gone, and the seats are, are stripped down. It's not because someone has stolen them. It's because they've been worn through. 
because no one can afford to fix anything for generations. Wow. Uh, and uh, they're down to the Soylent Company makes crackers, which people eat. And they've uh, just released Soylent Green, the new protein cracker made from the last protein source on the planet, which is uh, plankton. But if you know anything about the greenhouse effect, you know that's the first thing that dies. So it ain't plankton they're eating. <laughs> it's a Sweeney Todd experience. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, there's so much background for it. It's one of those movies I'd love to show. But it was a very, very important uh, movie for a lot of reasons. They also had to Silent Running, which is about deforestation, essentially. Of course. Um, and uh, which is known as a hippie sci-fi movie because Joan Baez uh, sang the theme song for it. You have Food of the Gods. It was Food of the Gods 2, even, mm. uh, about Nature Gone Mad. They did uh, Day of the Animals. Uh, so a lot of this stuff uh, makes you wonder about the science end of things. Of course, I always say I was that kid that when they were reading from the big black book, you know, of spells or something, I was taking notes. I figured eventually I'd put a whole spell together somewhere along the line and, and be able to do something. So I, I was the kid that took notes on what to do. That could be a movie plot right there. <laughs> Some kid actually, I think they've probably done that one. Hey, the they, um, that's that's part like part of Scream. The um, uh, you know, the um, uh, that's you know, the kids saw the horror movies and like mm, the slasher movies and like mm, I could do that. The um, you know, I I could do that. I could pull that off. The um, and it's so you know, I've said this about horror a lot, and I'm sure you'll agree, and maybe you can even expand upon it. But there are two types of horror movies, or they do a combination of both, which is horror movies that are just balls balls to the wall fun. Where you just watch people die and and do creative things. It's the the Saws and the Final Destinations after the first one. The first one was great and had a great story, but like after that, you just watch people die creatively. And you know the Freddy's versus versus Jasons of the world, like those are fun and you watch them. And then there's horror that that actually is going to say something. That wants to say something important through the lens of horror, or it's both. Um, a both example would be Reanimator. Um, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time, um, right next to scream and cabin in the woods and, and the, and they have something to say, but they're also very fun and they are uh, in a lot of ways balls to the wall. So, you know, I'm sure you can agree with that sentiment that, um, through the lens of horror, you can say a lot of really interesting and, and often very important things. Well, uh, art uh, mirrors reality. And we hold this mirror up so that we can see things watered down so that we can take them in without so much of the uh, original emotional content where we look at things and we say, gee, was this good or bad? Um, I was just talking to a comic person and, and you know, I used to read comic books and there's a Green Lantern back in the 60s where he has been um, – uh, out in space helping aliens for a while, and he comes back to Earth, and somebody says, I hear, you know, they got blue aliens, they got green aliens, they got yellow aliens. When are you going to come back and help the browns and the blacks and the reds that are here? And that's really what a lot of it does. It says, here, we can't talk about what's on Earth, so we'll make them aliens, and now we can talk about these problems. Um, and I, I like that, and you have that with horror, in a lot of ways, horror is very personal. Mm -hmm. You know, you have that person that's given you that problem and you wonder, gee, can I really wall them up into a brick wall somewhere and leave them to die? <laughs> the, I've had a lot of thoughts about that lately. <laughs> so, and it's, it's very healthy that you people. think about those things. It's very healthy. Yeah. They, um, uh, so that way you don't yeah. actually do them in real life because in the words of Louis C.K., no, no, it no. really sucks to go to jail for murder. Oh, um, uh, my. The, um, uh, the <laughs> if murder was – I don't know. I mean – you know, they, they, I was just telling someone, you know, there's a comedian was talking about, you know, uh, you know, black people get arrested for being black in public, you know. White people get off on everything. So if you go to prison, there's a white guy here, you know he did it. You know he did something. <laughs> the other guys might just be visiting, but he he did something. Watch out for that guy. The, and he's probably the scariest and, motherfucker in there. Um, uh, and if I, have to, if I have to go in for murder, I want it to be something creative. Oh, I want, yeah. Uh, I want it to be something where people are going to look like, yeah, I don't want to piss off that guy while I'm in here. The um, I don't. Uh, I want to look at the wall and wonder where I'm going to be next week. <laughs> the um uh, he he H H homed uh, homes a bunch of people. They um they're all in the walls now. The um uh, it's the uh, the the final conclusion of the Telltale Heart. 
Um, uh, the um, uh, but um, but yeah, no, ask, no. Ask of Amontillado. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, the um, but um, uh, or you know, you know what my people used to do, just you know, uh, dig a hole in a pit in the basement. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm you know, the um, I'm Italiano, so the um, uh, so we had our our, our share of uh <laughs> of things in our in our checkered history. Um, uh, the um, but um, no, that's awesome. Let's get into this. Um. So how did this adventure of yours kind of intersect into creating a career? You know, how did this, how did that adventure start with developing a show and, you know, and, and, you know, and getting into this, the whole thing, you know, what's the, I'm sure there were multi-steps and you, you mentioned a funny story um, uh, before the, before the podcast about how you used to have such a, a shitty tripod that it would like lean to the left and and you know and that was this that was the start of your career so you know i mean like you know as you know you know where did that whole thing start where did, you know how did you get from uh the leaning tower of tripod to um uh, you know to this to this pretty good show that you've been doing for almost 15 years well uh i i started in this i always say i just got sucked into it because i like half the guys in san francisco i just got sucked into it uh <laughs> Uh, what happened was, you know, like I said, an associate of mine uh, who actually knew Tom Warsh and John Stanley got asked to, to bring the show back. And he reached out to me because, well, to him, I was the tech guy. I had a palm quarter. I had a laptop. I was making some videos for YouTube, uh, and which had nothing to do with horror. And so he asked me, let's set this up in, in my attic. And uh, he was going to be the host. Well, which is also the reason why when I, on my show I talk about it, I'm still in the attic. Okay. Uh, so what happened was it turned out that he was a blackout alcoholic. And it became very quickly very difficult to work with him because uh, he would uh, – we would work – start filming at 9 o'clock in the morning so he wouldn't be drunk. And uh, he would start sneaking alcohol and start – had to go to the bathroom and he was keeping his beer in the bathroom and that sort of thing. Uh, and that man could drink beer faster than I can drink water. Let me tell you, he just pour it straight down. It was frightening. Um, and so I got to his place one day and he's on the couch and I'm assuming he's passed out from last night, but he might be from this morning cause he's good at that. And, uh, he yells at me, you know, if you, you know, when we started, uh, all I was was the cameraman, and he was the host, and he did all the work. And as time progressed, I wound up doing everything except sitting in the chair. And he said, you think it's so easy to sit in the chair? You do it. Okay. And that was it. I took over, and I started doing the show. And uh, I moved to a different location out of his house. Uh, I uh, moved the, the filming from out of his house. And uh, I started doing it, and, you know, like I said, I had to – had a crappy tripod and a palm corner I had bought at Big Lots. That's how good we were going here. $20 palm quarter. And, you know, the, like I said, the tripod had one lean, lean to it. And I kind of like that because uh, Creature Features was never a, uh, a, a polished show, shall we say. It was All these shows tend to be a bit rough around the edges. And so uh, I kept, when I got a better tripod, I kept it slightly tilted for a long time uh, to put up for this. And, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. We did a weekly show for a while, uh, a live show. And doing a live show will teach you a lot of stuff about what can go wrong. You know, you think you know what you're doing until you do a live show. Then you learn. Oh, oh well, not, well, now you just fell in, into a very interesting trap here, sir. Um, because ah. now I want now I want to hear all about it. I want to hear about some – because, you know, we – when we have other filmmakers on, you know, our favorite segment and Zach can back me up is talking about all of our, you know, woes and crazy stories that have happened. Um, uh, you know, we've had a director who, um, who was on a set and a TV and TV exploded, um, before he got there. Um, uh, so, you know, we've, we've certainly had quite a, you know, few interesting things that, you know, I've had a deal with renting a cop car 
and uh, and and you talk about a guy who was difficult to deal with. Um, uh, you know, he might that guy might have been an alcoholic. Um, he's a guy that I, I I if if I saw him in person, he caused me so so much frustration. I probably would have killed him, put him in that cop car, and drove him into Lake Michigan. Um, uh, the, so um, I probably shouldn't say that in recorded podcasts as much. As I would I do. like to point out this show is satire. <laughs> do not take it to see or hear seriously, th- th- please. Th- and thank you very much. Thank thank you, Zach. I appreciate that little thing. So you know, we love talking about funny stories over the years, and. You know, so what have been some of your wild stories about doing the, you know, live shows and then your regular show? Uh, well, in the process of, of getting into all of this, uh, my background is actually manufacturing. And so I know a lot of manufacturing processes and I started working in props in films. So my first feature length film I did, which was about this time, uh, was a, a horror movie. And uh, there, I was, I was doing, uh, like I said, props. And if you worked on a film set, especially a, a, a cheap production, uh, you know, you, you can stand there. Okay, you're now a, a light stand here. You're in lighting. Go hold this light. <laughs> uh, you can read. Okay, you're now scripty. Uh, make sure they're saying the lines properly. Uh, and there was a dead baby squirrel outside on the lawn. And the producer picked it up. And said, I, I, I need a, a ghost or a ghoul eating this. Uh, you, you Take your shirt off and you're going to come out of the room gnawing on this thing. And that was my first time in front of the camera. And uh, the crew was just horrified when I did this. And not realizing I had it in my hand. I had it in my hand. And I'm, 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 I'm I'm chewing on my knuckles while I'm doing it. I didn't actually put it in my mouth. But they couldn't see that from the camera angle. And they're all like, you want some hand sanitizer for that, man? You want some mouthwash? You got to wash your hands after that. And I was fine. So I often tell that story. And I tell people, if you're not willing to eat a dead squirrel on camera, you're not ready to be an actor yet. <laughs> So, you know that's what being an actor is doing everything yeah, no i i always joke i said we're performing circus monkeys the um uh you know i've yeah i could say though i i can honestly say though you know i i have the acting background and i and i do the ex- a lot of the executive producing and uh i've done a lot of shit i've jumped off roofs i've um i've ran down blocks i have jumped off of stages with um uh with broken you know with you know sprained ankles and legs and all kinds of stuff um the um i have been killed multiple times on on camera um uh, the, um i have um i have embarrassingly um been in a uh, a clown horror movie uh where i um did embarrassing sex scenes with other clowns um uh, so so i've i've done that but i can <laughs> I've tried well, to. Funny for- you mention the sex scene because we had that in that first horror movie too. Oh God, I, I I tried to forget this movie, but my friends, all of my friends that, that are the best friends that I can come up with, uh, don't let me forget about it. And and also they make me repeat. There's a line in so it's supposed to be this like weird. It's about a cult of clowns um, that are terrorizing a town, and I'm having sex with this this girl, and it's supposed to be a reference about how my penis is a and a balloon animal. So I literally scream to the girl before I arrive. Um, yeah. uh, that um, uh, that um, turn my t- uh, turn my dick into a T Rex. Um, uh, the and I shout it really loud directly to camera. And Zach's laughing hysterically right now. And I've been asked to repeat that line. I never knew that that was going to be my Macaulay Culkin thing <laughs> that I would have to do for fucking years after the fact. And it's only about the people I love. It's only by my friends that are the best yes. friends I can have, which probably says more about me than it does about them. Um, uh, so, but I, I, but the point was, I can honestly say that I have never ate a dead squirrel on camera. So maybe, maybe I, I think some of these things at least puts me in the runner up. Um, uh, the, um, <laughs> the least, but you just mentioned that you did a sex scene. So I got to hear about that. Um, okay. uh, well, 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 I didn't do the sex scene. There was a sex scene. I was part of it. So, uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm a pudgy little bald guy. And so, uh, this is a sort of a possession movie. So we've got the, the big haunted house and there's a bed and we got the people in the bed and uh, you've got the, these other actors that come out uh, and the big muscly guys, 
you know, doing the chanting. And we're lopsided. We got like four guys on one side, three guys on the other side. And the producer says, hey, take your take your clothes off and go stand there with them in their underwear. I should also point out the lead came out in boxers and the producer's like, that's not going to work. And the assistant director, and this can only happen in San Francisco, goes into his personal bag and pulls out a G-string in an appropriate size. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You just like happen to have that equipment on you. The um, yeah. uh, the um, uh, there's only like like one block in in Chicago that that can happen. And that's Belmont and Halstead. The um, uh, that's the only block. And Zach knows exactly what I'm talking about. That that would be our our lovely uh, boys town, and that's the only place that you can you can guarantee somebody will have that equipment on them at that time. Yeah. That's that. That is a pretty impressive call where somebody could just oh, I just have that on my person. I, I just have that. The uh, which is impressive. Well, we can talk about that. I've got something for that in a second. But sorry. So yeah, I have to go. Uh, go stand behind. I'm trying to stand behind everybody. You know, this little pudgy white guy behind all the, this great big muscly black guy next to me and going. <laughs> and, and so that's my sex scene. So I had to tell the wife about my, my sex. <laughs> this movie. Um, and, and, you know, the, the scary thing is there, there's even more horrifying things in that that I can't tell you that went on in that set. So, Fair uh, enough. yes, but uh, now I'm going to blank here for just a second. I was going to tell you something else. Uh, it's about the G string. Somebody pulling oh, out. G-string, right. Yeah. Uh, so when I work, uh, I have what I like to refer to as the idiot box. So when I'm on set, uh, I have my idiot box with this, gi- this giant tackle box. And I am known as the guy is that if you need it, I have it. I'm, I'm working on this biker movie and the director comes up and goes, uh, I have a GoPro, but I don't have a SD card, a micro SD card. Yep. Got one of those. Needs to be charged. I don't have a charge cable for it. Yep. Got one of those. I don't have a helmet mount for this. No, I don't have a helmet mount. That's pushing it a little bit too far. If, if you're going to have the GoPro, have your own mount for it. I mean, come on. So fair enough. The, but, uh, uh, I love that you have a tackle box. So, um, so I just wanted to just just bridge some stuff here because I think we're we're missing like uh, you know maybe some connections within the story, which is I mean which is fine. The but I'm I'm trying to you know um, so you've worked on multiple different sets and that was kind of your lead into this to this crazy world that we call entertainment. So you know, and, and then you had mentioned that you were working with uh, two other guys that had did a similar show to you. How did how did these worlds eventually meet? Um, were you working on film sets and then and then you eventually led to these other two gentlemen that you mentioned before that were doing a, you know, Sven Gulli style show? Um, you know, how did they, 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 this the, these two worlds collide? Well, like I said, uh, I was working with Creepy Dave, as we call him, and uh, he just couldn't wind up being the host. So I took over being the host. And uh, uh, OK, gotcha. I, I just kept doing the show and having fun with it. And as time went on, uh, everything, everything, if you look at my set, everything on my set's got a story about how I acquired that. It, uh, a lot of it's quite by accident. When I first started doing the show, I have uh, this dining room set, which has a giant throne black chair. It's great. Um, and so that's, that's what I was using. But it was getting a little shop-worn, so uh, I was casting about for a different chair. And I'm in a Goodwill, as I often am, and there's a yellow rocking chair. And Bob Wilkins always used a yellow rocking chair. I'm like, there, it's Kismet. There's a yellow rocking chair. And that's how I picked up the yellow rocking chair, and that's uh, why I, I still have it today. Mm. Uh, the, everything, you know, the, uh, the piece of furniture behind me, the sideboard, whatever you want to call it, was what happened there. was uh, It was supposed to be this incredibly huge piece of furniture, and uh, – I have a hearse, and they thought it would we'd hang out the back end of the hearse and we could tie it down. We, and I get there, and it's only six feet long, so it goes right back in the hearse, no problem. And it, it was actually kind of cool, so I kept it. And that's how that, that came in and, nice. and so forth. So all the little changes, they all have something to do with it. And something I'll tell you that you probably didn't know is that I'm a big prop collector. Uh, I collect original props and some replicas. And... Uh, so there are actually some original props to movies on the set, if you look carefully. Uh, if you see, there's a canopic jar. That is actually from Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. Nice. Uh, Love yes. that. 
there's an, a, a statue of the alien, which is actually one of uh, 300, I think, they made for the European release of the movie. They would put these in the theaters, and I was able to acquire one of them. And that's a, a fun piece. And so bits and pieces show up on the set. I bring them out. I have a Bowen original bronze of Cthulhu, uh, one of the very famous ones, that uh, comes out occasionally. I have several different Cthulhus on the set, actually. And actually, if you've watched the show, you'll notice that my, my cohort, Bob, the skull, sits on a copy of the Necronomicon and the Yellow Pages. And as I always say, you know the difference between the two books. The uh, one's actually dead. One is an ancient tome of forgotten knowledge, and the other one's an Necronomicon. <laughs> I knew it was something in that in that vein, which I love. No one uses the yellow pages anymore, right? So. You know, I, I was actually in I, I was actually in that business. Um, uh, I, I I sold it. Um, and it was only a couple of years ago. You'll actually be amazed on how many people still use it. It's hilarious. Um, uh, the uh, oh, we, we have the numbers. It's I, I don't know who the hell is using it, but we 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 do have we do have the tracking numbers in there. We're like who's Who's using this? What's going on? How do we get paid for this? Um, uh, the um, it's 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 amazing. You know, I, um, and actually, um, is a little bit of a shout out. Um, a dear friend of ours. Um, his name is uh, James Zara. Um, he runs a uh, uh, a uh, non for profit floating museum. Uh, Zach, what's what's the name of it? So I can probably the HSPPA. The um, and he is a um, props a restoration and. Um, uh, you know, individual, he collects a bunch of different things. He's got stuff for days. He has a, the, the gun from RoboCop, uh, which he came on. It's actually one of our, uh, uh last pod, uh, two podcasts ago or three podcasts ago, he was on and he was, he also has, uh, one of the, um, machetes from Friday the 13th. Uh, he has the, um, the piece, uh, from Spaceballs, the um, barf piece, um, uh, face piece. He has dozens have, and dozens of things. I have the head of yogurt from that. What's um, yes. Yeah. The um, okay. So a after this podcast, I'll, I'm going to send you the link to all of his stuff, and you guys should definitely have a conversation because I think that he would he would be very interested um, to see what you have, and you would definitely be interested to see what he has because he has a lot of stuff. Um, he operates in the the Midwest, um, uh, south uh, southwest, and also um, uh, up in New Jersey as well. Um, he is a co owner of a um, a horror themed gluten free bakery. Um, uh, called Spooky Swirls, um, and wow. actually one of the girls was recently on um, a Food Network uh, competition. I forgot which one, um, but uh, but yeah, one of the co-owners, and he has part of his museum inside there in Arizona. Um, uh, so I yeah yeah, I'll definitely uh, send you his information after the fact. So something you mentioned earlier was um, uh, like you never know you you don't know nothing until you do something live. Um, uh, you know, what are some of the things, you know, funny stories or hard lessons that you've, you've had to learn by doing things live, um, that you were, uh, you know, willing to share? Well, I mean, there's always an equipment failure that you always need. I was renting, a, a facility to, to show a movie and, uh, they had a big soundboard for great for sound. Great. So I'm going to plug the, I got a digital projector, my computer into that. And uh, we'll plug the soundboard. What they didn't tell us at that point was the soundboard is on the other side of this giant room. It doesn't move. It's got wheels, but it doesn't actually move. So I've got to reach in and try to find 20 feet of cord to reach this machine uh, so that we can have sound for the night. Jesus. And that was uh, not not the most professional thing we've had to do, but we've, we've done it. Uh, I've had uh, equipment failures. Uh, you know, it's it's not, you know, producers always like to chat about the, all the things that went wrong. I was on a film set and uh, uh, one of our main characters has this big beard and we came back the next week and he decided to shave it. Oh, and, oh what uh, I didn't think fuck. about it. What the fuck? They, uh, they, uh, they, um, uh, that's a, that's a, you know, th like that's something that like, I, 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 I try to be sensitive with that, man, because people always forget, but I'm also an actor and it's when you see stuff that you go, dude, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like it, it, the, um, uh, it, trust me, there's stuff that I've been doing it long enough that I get very upset when people do even the simplest, you know, stuff they fuck up the, um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I should probably be a little bit more sensitive because that could happen to anybody. You get in the habit of doing stuff and you you shave it off, but still, 
They um, well, the beard's not like shaving, not, not shaving to this morning. You know, it takes a while to take a beard off. Yeah, exactly. We had a girl that uh, was doing a topless scene and she didn't want to have nudity. Well, she had long black hair, okay. which she then cut short because she wanted to look good for the shot. <laughs> I said, "Okay, uh, that's fine. You know, take your shirt off and go." Well, I don't want any nudity. Don't I have something I can wear? No, we've never discussed having anything for you to wear. We don't have something for you to wear. This is your scene. You can either do it or you can leave. <laughs> and she thought that was terribly unfair. Uh, uh, tough life's, life's tough. Get a helmet. I don't know what to tell you. She yeah. she did agree to do the scene, right? Yeah. Uh, then oh. w- what is she expecting? Like, I I I, yeah, I don't you know. I don't know I don't know about that one. That's 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 just you know. Uh, you know, it, it, it's yeah. I've yeah. I could talk for days about this. So you know, you've obviously been doing this for you know uh, coming up on fifteen years, and something that I love to ask, and you know, um, one, how has the response from the community been, and you know, what is what's something that keeps you going? You know, the fifteen years we've been only been doing this for what you know, uh, f- almost four years now. Four or five. Uh, four or five take. years and everything else for, but for fifteen years to be coming back and still. You know, putting on the the the. I believe you wear a fez. Um, uh, you know, on the show. So so putting that fez on for for fez fourteen. Eye patch. Yeah. yeah, and an eye patch for you know fourteen and a half years coming up on fifteen is a long time. You know, what keeps you? What keeps you coming back? Uh pure spite. <laughs> uh, all right. No, no. Uh, you know, I enjoy doing this, uh, and I I like working in film, and. I like problem solving. Uh, I found that, you know, for instance, I had trouble with lighting. I said, I want this kind of light. And I kind of described it and people gave me different things that would cause that kind of light. And none of them were right. And uh, it turns out that I, I, what I needed was the most common kind of light out there, a par can. You know, some par 58s and uh, par 56s and whatever they are. And a par 64, and that was exactly what I was looking for. But it took forever because people tend to only know the equipment they're used to working with. True. You can't go to uh, – it's very hard to go find someone at a, that's a professional that's actually worked on all this other different stuff because what they've worked with is something that's probably not the cutting edge but the next step down from it because it had to trickle down to them. Uh, so that was a big problem. Uh, and I, I had to figure out, like I said, what, what I was using. I had uh, some issues. I am in you know, a big old house here, and uh, we only had one 20-amp circuit for the entire attic. And that's very hard to run, all these lights on 20 amps. Uh, so that was exciting. Uh, got, got real into LEDs. Uh, we had issues with sound because uh, we have some tin-roofed outbuildings, and we have goats. So they like to dance on them and make noise. And I often, whenever I hear them, I often comment that mom downstairs must be having guests over. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that party last week was wild, but I woke up uh, when I came out from my room. Satan was asleep on the couch, and he didn't want to make eye contact with me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty that's a pretty wild party. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's been very interesting, and when I say pure spite. There is actually a little something there. Um, about six years ago, I, I went out and became on national television, uh, uh, national uh, stations, uh, rather than say something like a, uh, a broadcast or uh, local PS uh, public access television. I was on national television and somebody came up and basically said, oh, I own the rights to all of that. Well, no, you don't. Actually, I'd filed for the trademark. And uh, somebody who had a lot of money, and th- there was a lot of obs- a lot of confusion and obfuscation of the facts, and we wound up going to court. There's actually federal paper- papers filed on this, and uh, so there is there is actually another creature feature show out there which claims to be from Bob Wilkins, and I've had to go down a huge rabbit hole of all this information that I had no clue about, uh, that I think most fans had no clue about. I think even the, uh, uh, the old producer of the show had no clue about because they'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they did this, but they, they chose to do this. And it was a big problem. So actually, 
when this came out, they came all over Facebook and, and screamed all sorts of terrible things about me, made an actual page about how horrible I was, uh, which we made a point, me and a couple of my associates made a point of screenshotting every week for the documentary that we'll be putting together when this all dies away. And uh, it's been interesting because I've had people, I've had detractors that have now turned around and realized that, yeah, I actually have the rights to my show and, and uh, this other guy is not quite above board on a number of things. I've had a lot of people complain to me about him. That's one of the things is that my show had been going on for so long. When people search to find the other show, I get their his mail. <laughs> I, I get... I get the fan mail for that show, and, and the lead guy is not the person who gets fan mail. It's the girl. She gets the fan mail. Ah, so I'm sure you get a lot of interesting fan mail. Oh, my. The <laughs> uh, well, you know, I actually I, I, I like to have a, a fairly straightforward relationship with my fans. If you go you know, like on my YouTube page, I, I like to respond to every single comment ever made. And if you keep commenting to me, I will keep talking back to you about it. Uh, we have a lot of fun. I like to keep it light and fun. It's supposed to be fun. Exactly. You know, uh, I don't talk politics. I don't uh, – I, I sometimes allude to, you know, what I'd like to do to a politician in general, <laughs> uh, some of these things. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, I had to actually fight quite hard for this, and I had a lot – I did have some negative experiences. I had some people that uh, I, I thought were my friend that turned out suddenly they're not. And it's been interesting because as time has gone on, uh, many of these people have slowly started uh, – well, a lot of my detractors are now on my friends list on Facebook. They're now subscribed to my channel. Uh, I've had some of them come up to me and say, you know, gee, that was a, a raw deal. Sorry about it. But uh, the page is still up though and people can still go to it and it's all so much fun. But it's gotten embarrassing, sadly, and that's really the, the problem with it is that uh, the Wilkins estate very laterally got involved with it and allowed these people to say some negative things. And the problem with that is that they're never going to be able to take back what they said. And unless they do that, I can't reach out to them, and I want to. You know, uh, These are people that I interviewed when we first did the show back in 2009, WonderCon. We, we – uh, Interviewed Bob Wilkins' son and John Stanley and Tom Warsh and so forth. And now I can't really interact with these people anymore, which is a shame because this is supposed to be fun. This, you know, it's supposed to be about community and bringing people together. And these people worked really hard to shove a big wedge in all for them to sort of fall flat. Yeah, so. it's 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 terrible how that how that happens. So we had a dear friend. Um, who I remember he, uh, you know, I won't mention his name, but I remember he, he gave it, he, um, uh, he, he told us a great quote and then he like, is it because of contracts and everything else? My ex best friend is, you know, we we're at a, a convention when we had this conversation, he's 15 feet that direction and he won't even make eye contact with me anymore. They, yeah. um, uh, you know, so, and, and it's, it's sad. It's sad. The, um, uh, so, but you know what the funny thing is, is I'm actually, you know, I think the, I think the the friend of ours is, is very grateful to have gone through the experience, and I think he's grown stronger because of it and everything else to really understand where everybody truly stands and realities and you know and um, you know and all that stuff. But it's a shame that it happened. It's a shame that it happened. It's a shame that it had to happen. Um, uh, you know the um, but you know that that's also you know um, the Temptations had a great quote. He said it's show business. Um, uh, while you're on, uh, while you're on stage doing the show, make sure your business isn't walking out the back door. The, um, uh, you know, and, and, and there's a, you know, and I've been in business my whole life. So there is a, there's, there's certainly some parts of it that you try to, you want to try to avoid being ruthless. Um, but there are some ruthless aspects of it. You try to avoid it as much as you can, because it's not, it's ultimately not good for business. Um, they have that much, you know, downfall and that much conflict and turmoil, but, there's some problems with it. It, it, you know, it happens, but, um, you know, but I'm, it, it, some, 
<laughs> Megadeth, uh, the band Megadeth exists because of spite. So, so they, we've gotten a lot of really great shit out of out of spite. So, um, uh, the um, and I love that you're that you know that reference. It makes me happy that that uh, that, that you laughed at that. Um, Zach knows those stories. We're massive metal fans. It comes with the territory. So how how is the um you know you talked a little bit about you know um the 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 interaction you have with fans and everything else but you know I I'm, I imagine that's also part of what keeps you coming back is the community because I, I talk about the horror community all the time and it's so ironic that that the community that's in love with horrible things you know a very gruesome things are some of the nicest sweetest most accepting and willing to help community around. So, you know, it, it's, you know, I imagine that it, that plays into effect of you keep coming back every day. It's because of the fans and, you know, because of the love that they show you, um, you know, how's that experience been with, you know, with interacting with the fans? Well, it's been very interesting. Um, you know, we have, we have an active core community here in the San Francisco Bay area. And, for the most part, they all turn their back on me when this all happened. So in order to go to be at conventions and so forth, I had to go back east. And once you got away from California, you know, people didn't care about these little infighting stuff. Uh, and I found a, a great deal of love and uh, friendship with a lot of the other horror hosts. I had I have never had a negative experience with any other horror host out there. Um, and it's been great. Uh, I, I did want to sort of point out, you know, we talk about spite and drive and so forth. Uh, when I got on, on national television, I was barely f ready for that. You, you know, that's how it is. You know, you wind up getting someplace just before you're really ready for it. And uh, my my wife, uh, much like me, is a, is a licensed professional and somebody who will remain nameless started saying that she actually wasn't licensed. Uh, and Now, my wife didn't really like me taking all my time doing the show. So it actually got back to her that uh, they were claiming that she was not a licensed individual in her field of business. Uh, you know, my wife is Ivy League, gra graduated summa cum laude. She's very proud of herself, and she should be. So when that happened, then she said, okay, now, now you can spend the money on the show. Now you can actually get things and make it work right, which is why I think I'm I'm the only horror host now that films in 6K, and <laughs> nice. we have a lot more fun. Yeah, nice. so I, that's when I was really able to blossom with the set and and uh, spend a little money because everything else at that point I'd gotten all from Goodwill or off of Craigslist or something, you know. So uh, ultimately, if you stay sweet even in the most negative times, uh, good things will happen to you, and that's what I, I try to keep with. So yeah, I, I went back east and I had lots. I met lots of people. I had uh, I hadn't got to meet Dooley yet, the little spider from one guy's show. But other than that, I've I've had a wonderful time, and it's helped expand what I do and how I do things. And I think it's also helped me make sure that my show is a bit different from everybody else's. Okay. So no, I can that's what that brings me back to a lot of this stuff and. I like working in film, and I'm one of those guys, we start talking like we did. I'm like, oh, there's a plot right there. We can make a movie out of that. Let's do that. You know, my um, uh, uh, um, I have a very close relationship with my dad, and he has a dear, dear friend um, named, uh, named Brian, and uh, Brian T., as we call him, and uh, he's a fireman, um, been a fireman his whole life, the, um, or you know, since he was 18. And then he went on to be an arson investigator, still does that today, but he's retired from um, uh, from being a fireman and everything else. Um, uh, the And very typical, the fireman, he, he could have been in the magazines um, for the for the fireman thing. Very good looking guy, salt and pepper, the whole nine yards, very just, you know, but it, I, and I remember he said something so interesting. And it's and it's profound wisdom. And I've and I've taken it into my life, which is he's like some people just do things. He's like, and, 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 you know, and, and he told my dad, it's like, you make money. It's what you do. They, um, just what you do, you know? And, and I remember he, he, he said, I said, Mark Conway senior could fall into a pile of shit and find a way to make money out of it. The, um, it's just what he does. And it's like, I run into burning buildings while everybody's running out. That's just what I do. That's just, you know, what I see the, the world as. And I, and I was like, Hmm, that's a goal for everybody. You should find out what you do. You know, what brings you the most joy? 
you know, what do you, you know, everybody does something, everybody can do something. And then it becomes a part of a, a part of you. That's your whole personality, but it, be, it becomes a huge part of that. And I say, um, I see things that aren't there yet. They, I see what it could be. The, um, and, and I take it into the, the, the realm of entertainment. The, uh, what could be there? What could this be? You know, how could I turn this into um, something entertaining? Whether it be a film, whether it be a television show, whether it be a, a theme park, a haunted house, um, doesn't matter. You know, a podcast, whatever, doesn't matter. You know, what can I do? How can I see this in the through the lens of entertainment? The um, uh, and and that ultimately is what I was destined to do, and I and I feel very proud that you and I share that, and Zach and I and I share that to degrees in a lot of different ways. So it's it's very inspiring to hear you hear you say that. And a person who is on national television say, you know, I, I'm always constantly thinking about how this could be turned into a film, how this could be turned into some kind of entertainment. So, you know, this is not so much a question, more of a, a compliment to you, sir, that, you. you know, that I appreciate that, that, that you share that vision. And it's comforting to know that there are people out there that, that share that same drive and vision. And, and, and they, they go, you know, they, they go, how could this this idea, this nugget of, a, of an idea be taken all the way to something great? Well, you know, we, we touched on Southern Green earlier, and that's one of the things I take from that movie is that uh, something you probably didn't know is E.G. Roberts is in that. And uh hope I got that name right, E.G. Roberts. And uh, he was profoundly deaf when he came to make that show. And so you see him talking to Charleston Heston over his back and never misses a line. It's all just timing and he's perfect. And so at some point in production, it leaks out that he also has terminal cancer. And uh, they, they're telling, OK, we're going to get you an assistant. We're going to get you a table and a chair to sit at. And he's like, no, this movie has to be made. I don't want to be kept. I don't want to be given special privileges. And of course, his character dies in the production. And the day they filmed his death, he died 12 days later. That's how sick he was. But he was still showing up because he felt it was important for him to make this movie. And, and that's what you have to be. This has to be important to you. It can't be something you do just for funny, just for f money, or just the, for a few la cheap laughs somewhere. You have to have some passion in it. Otherwise, you're just the dross that we see so much of on YouTube these days. <laughs> the, um, and you're going to burn out. The, um, you know, and I talk to friends who don't know, and I love having friends that are not in this because it gives me perspective, world perspective. But, you know, like, and I've talked to many people, and I was like, I could, I, I can't begin to tell you how unsexy um, filmmaking is, like, and how, <laughs> how frustrating it could be. Well, I don't and, know. And, and, I mean, it can get some sexy sometimes, but like, and, and there are great aspects and fun aspects, but it is so much harder than you think it is. They, um, uh, you know, it, it's not to the heart of be, you know, heart of being a coal miner. Um, you know, it's not that kind of hard, but it is so much more difficult and so much more emotionally taxing and so much more, you know, marathon running than most people realize. And you have to have a passion because otherwise, you're just going to burn yourself out. They, you have to love it. And you have to be surrounded by people that love it and can keep you going when you, when you don't feel like it. You know, the, when you're drained and everything else, you have somebody next to you going, "All right, come on, we got to keep going." Liam, and then when you get a little bit more energy and they get down, then you can turn to them and say, "Hey, all right, let's keep going. Like, you know, we got this. Let's 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 get to the finish line." Um, uh, so it's very very important to have that you know that kind of mentality and those kind of people around you. There are good moments in all of this. I mean, oh yeah. Uh there's a young lady who uh, who is absolutely lovely inside and out, and uh, we we are friends now after working on a, a particular film, and I was doing sound. Uh, this goes into I guess you could call this one of those little horror stories. So she's uh, hiding under a table, and we realize the only way to do sound is that I have to be under the table behind her with a boom pole uh, up in front of her on the ground, sort of thing here. And uh, it wound up being an extended scene, and um, uh, it was probably not the best day for her to be wearing those yoga pants because I'm cheek-to-cheek -cheek with her quite literally underneath the table for half an hour. 
uh, trying to concentrate on, on my sound. And like I said, now we're friends. You know, how can you not be friends after that? No, it's impossible. Oh. The, um, uh, it's impossible. You build one hell of a bond that way. The, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better. You're going to build some kind of bond. It's either going to be really positive or really negative. Um, uh, but something is going to happen. The, um, it's impossible for it to, uh, to not happen. The, um, uh, in a lot of ways, that's how I met Margot Kidder. Um, and we'll share a little story here. She and I became good friends. Uh, I saw her at a convention before I got into doing film. And I guess she was shilling for Smallville or something. And I told her, you know, 1976, you were in Playboy. And you were the first woman I saw that you weren't some nameless cutie. I knew who you were. And that meant something to me. And she... She, at this point in your career, she's like, oh, my gosh, that is so sweet of you. And she reaches down and she pulls out one of the news from Playboy she has there. And she writes all this stuff on it. We'll always have Paris. I'm so glad we have. <laughs> no, 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 no. Boom. There. I've got this. That, that's awesome. So, Anna Casablanca lined it to, to, to boot, the, um, yeah. which which I love, which I love. The um, uh, So. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. So I think, you know, we're going to, um, uh, you know, I, at the end of every podcast, what I do is I do a, a question of the podcast. Essentially it's, it's an, it's an, it's an, uh, an opportunity for us to, you know, just ask a fun question. Um, as is per tradition, we ask, uh, we give the guests the opportunity to ask, answer first and, but if not, they, they can go ahead and pass. Um, and then they, we come back around, around the thing. You know, and I think this is pseudo fitting uh, to what we're talking about earlier, just about horror in general, about being thought provoking. Um, And maybe it's a repeat of what we had talked about, but I'm interested to hear a more condensed version. Why do you think people keep coming back to horror? Um, uh, You know, there's always the fans keep always coming back. And there's it's just one thing that just never, ironically enough, can die. Um, Even, you know, how mainstream tries to kill it. Um, although now they're more friends, but like, you know, why is it that this, this thing, this genre just refuses to go anywhere? It, you know, it, it, it will not disappear and will never disappear. You know, why do you think the fans, you know, and, and people just in general keep coming back to this genre? Well, I think a lot of people say, oh, gee, it, it, it shows the dark side of humanity. And, uh, I sort of go the other way with it. Uh, horror shows us that bad people can get punished, that bad people are out there, and generally uh, they get punished, although that has that narrative has changed in the last couple of decades. Uh, but the fact that, and you know, it's, it's a meme, but it's true, the fact that I don't go out and do these things to people, now that I've been shown how, uh, <laughs> is, is a, a, a miracle every day. Uh, it so is, it is. When, when, if, you, if you're somebody that you know, has seen all the horror movies and you know all the graphic ways to, you can do something to someone and you don't every day, you realize that you're choosing to be a better person. And that's what horror can give us. It can give us that pathway to be the better person. I love that. That's so or as something uplifting. There we go. There you go. The others are very, very. It was very poetic, Zach. I like it because it's fun. (laughs) 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 Can you expand? I I mean that. Like that. That's really the simplest way I could put it. Like um, I've been watching horror movies since I was like two years old with my mother. So I grew. So my mother, I'd watch uh, horror movies like Freddy, Jason, Pinhead, all that. And my grandfather, I'd watch uh, Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all the great action movies of the eighties. I I grew up in the eighties while growing up in the nineties. So figure that one out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, these movies were always just fun to me while everybody was growing up with Barney, Teletubbies and all that child shit that I could give a thousand fucks less about. I, I was just having fun watching people get gutted, murdered and everything. But also being told, don't do that. That's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, okay, well, cool. Uh, Let's go watch Jaws now. The um, let's the um, uh, and and and, yeah, that's the and and I I do it, you know, to a degree. I think I'm kind of similar to you, um, which is, you know, about uplifting and um, but uplifting in a different way. Well, first of all, you know, it it it, fear is a universal, um, you know, emotion. It's it's in the lizard brain. So everybody understands that and everybody can relate to that and everybody can, um, uh, you know, can, you know, uh, discuss that in a very. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. That lizard. Sorry, yeah, exactly. It's coming to get me. Um, um, so, 
But everybody can relate to that. Everybody can relate to that in a universal way. And <coughs> all of a sudden, um, everybody can relate to that in a very universal way. And it's something – and funny this. We like being scared. I was watching a documentary about haunted houses and one of the, the experts says that psychologists say that it's actually good to be scared because what it does is it trains you to be better prepared in actual life or death situations. And, and the, she said a phrase that I love. It turns you into a warrior. Um, which I'm like, I, I like, I love that. I love that. I love that terminology. I love that phrase. But I think on a very deep emotional level, it's very similar to you, which is it. It often is not about the the you know not. Uh, uh, this is uh, you know not true for every horror movie because there are some certainly ones that are like they're like we're just gonna end this really really dark and nobody nobody gets out alive and everyone dies and it's awful. But you know, but a lot of times, especially with the '80s slashers, you know, it's not about the 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 death of everything it's actually the triumph of one person conquering evil um uh, and and there's nothing more human than that the um uh, it's the triumph of uh, of of evil and knowing that that the good is going to win the day they uh, eventually they um uh, and 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 that, i think that's what you know uh, was really good about the 80s slashers is that the final girl always always won out the um at the end the um uh, and and that was the 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 human experience of facing down evil not running away from it but facing down your fears um and then conquering them which is something that i think if you want to be a very successful human being is that instead of running away from your fears running away from your problems is to conquer them is to face them and conquer them you know it may not happen right away it may not happen you know it may take years it may take a long time it may take your whole life to do it but in the end it's worth it it's worth it's worth to do that. It's worth to 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 look the the metaphorical Jason or Freddy or Leatherface or anybody and look in the face and say, "Not today, asshole." The um uh, so um I think that that that's what I think a lot of fans coming back you know come back to horror all the time and that's that's you know the the reason why I come back to it. So um so sir. This is your opportunity to look directly into camera. Oh, thank you. The um, uh, <laughs> to look directly into camera, you know, in any kind of emotion you like, and tell the good people where they can find you. Um, uh, you know, via television, social media, YouTube's. Uh, tell them where they can find you in any place. Um, uh, and we'll go from there. The, the floor is yours. Well, thank you for that. And we have our own Roku channel. You can go to the website thecreaturefeatureshow.com. Uh, we have our own app, the Creature Feature Networks, uh, Creature Features Network, where you can download on your phone and watch 24/7 hours of me. You know, we have like 300 free movies on there right now, and a new one every week. I make new content every single week. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Let's see, pull this up here. Twitter uh, under the Al Omega Show because Creature Features was taken. And under Instagram, it is the Creature Feature Show. And on Facebook, I have several pages, both being uh, Al Omega and the original Creature Features. So there are lots of places to find me, and you can find me at YouTube at the original Creature Features. That's a great place to find me. Uh, and it's that way you get to leave comments and talk to me directly, which I love. Absolutely. And uh, and you can also find him at uh, Al Omega or Al underscore Omega on Slasher. Um, uh, so thank you. Yes. Thank, uh, so thank you so much uh, for checking out this episode of the Nightmares podcast. Um, you can find us where all podcasts are available um, on YouTube, Slack, Spotify, um, several other things that I can't remember right now. Um, uh, the um, uh, And also you can find us on all of the wonderful social medias, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, um, uh, and Slasher, the application for all things horror. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on the Nightmares Podcast. Bye, guys.